0: To the Sandcast Podcast, I'm here with Travis and Try. You're probably a little confused. Uh, this is Savvy Simo opening up the podcast for today. I'm super fired up for our Q&A segment. So, how are you guys doing today? You, dude,
1: fantastic. I, <laughs> wait, is Simo yep. you know how you pronounce your last name?
0: Yeah. Oh, get that down. No, this whole time. This the <laughs> I don't even know how do you pronounce your last name, Travis. I don't even know.
2: Mo it took me no so long to figure that out. Yeah. Word. No. Just don't look at how Well, it's I think
0: right. one of the questions, yeah. yeah I
2: thought like, it was like
0: new word I wasn't sure. Yeah, why well, are you trying it, to figure like, out? Because I think Max, Tyler, I don't know who that is. Brother, cousin, they you, asked a question.
1: Older brother, yeah. Ah, yeah. It's funny because like when I tell people how to pronounce it, like in restaurants and so that no. ask name, I just it say mu herder because it looks like how it's spelled. But if you want to pronounce it right, like, just don't look at how it's spelled. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Confuse me every time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but uh we got we got so the day after this episode airs, we have uh Thanksgiving. Um so I just kinda wanted to ask you guys what you're doing for Thanksgiving. And uh gotta be like the classic, like middle school. <laughs> what are we thankful for saying <laughs> surprise obviously thankful for Bentley.
2: We <laughs> <laughs> got two dogs out here in Hawaii. <laughs> they both have Chihuahua blood, so Lots of noise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, uh, Stav, what are you doing for Thanksgiving?
0: Um, I am gonna be home in San Diego. Um, might be a little different this year because I'm not sure if the grandparents are coming just because of COVID and everything, which is quite a bummer. I don't remember the last time we've had a holiday without them. Um so we'll see how it goes. Always with my mom's side of the family, with all the cousins. So um I think it's at my house this year. I love Thanksgiving. I think it's awesome. I just think it's it just makes you feel good. I love Christmas too, but Thanksgiving might be my favorite. The food's amazing. Um but yeah, I'm going to be a, definitely a smaller group this year, which is a bummer, but we'll make the best of it.
1: Yeah. Awesome. I try, yeah. what do you have going on down there in the
2: islands? I'm out here in Hawaii. Uh we're going to keep it real low key, just I think my parents and I and um, Gabby and baby I think we are gonna do it with my sister at her house, but there was like a little mini COVID outbreak at the school, so they're scared that their kid might have it, and you know, everyone's just doing a COVID Thanksgiving this year. We're, <laughs> we're just gonna keep it real intimate, and uh, and then run it back next year, back to normal, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Do you normally go to, uh, to Hawaii for Thanksgiving, or do you kind of rotate? Uh, lately, we've been doing um, Thanksgiving with Gabby's family on the mainland. Okay. Her sister's uh, like a professional cook, so oh, that's nice. usually the right call is yeah, to hang out work. with her. Uh, and then we come to Hawaii for Christmas Seriously. with my family, but this year we just wanted to be in Hawaii at this time, so Hawaii uh, holidays is, for us, is you go to the beach all day as a family and then you just eat at night.
1: That's perfect.
2: <laughs> Sounds epic. It's all the same. And yeah. We do that on regular days too, so it, it really isn't much different. Yeah, it's a, a bigger meal. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah. Be good
1: yeah, I'm out here in, uh, in Myrtle. We, uh, so we took family reunions to Myrtle Beach from when I was like five till they still do it every year. But I haven't been able to go since I moved to Florida because they always go in the summer. Um, and then obviously we're traveling for volley during the summer. So I haven't been able to go in a long time. Um, and then we planned it for Thanksgiving this year. Um, and so we made it. And so it's just my family drove down. Um, so I got little brother, older brother, sister-in-law comes in on uh, the day this airs. And then Delaney's here. And then we'll probably, we might have uh, Adam Roberts and Jade over for Thanksgiving, actually. So <laughs> complete the fam.
2: Hell yeah, we should get him on the podcast, run it back number two.
1: Yeah, we got to get him back on. Because, dude, I was, uh, so I've been on the flight. I was really bored. So I was compiling all of our best transcript notes. And just putting them like one file after the other, and I was like, we definitely got to have Adam back on to get his stories, because we just have him and uh, him and Andy together, and so Adam couldn't really shine and and give us some good stories. So we uh, we got to get Adam back on.
2: Oh yeah, big time.
1: Yeah, big time. he's
2: uh, he's the wealth of knowledge. He's like in volleyball encyclopedia.
1: Yes, it's crazy. Although I
2: saw him on the weakest link. I don't think he wanted any of us to see that. Did you watch it? I watched. I didn't even know. I was just watching the weakest link out here. And they're like professional volleyball player. I don't know. <laughs> what? No way. But then uh, I won't I won't give away what happens, but Yeah. Arod's probably not happy about it.
1: Nick gave us a hint in the last episode. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right,
2: Nick. <laughs> uh, poor Adam. sounds fun. I gotta get up to Myrtle one of these days.
1: Yeah, it's awesome out here. I love it. Love it. Yeah. But Dude, stuff.
2: well we we got some fan questions and I heard your brother uh Threw in some. Where's yeah? He, he could do a live question if he if he really wants to be a part. <laughs>
1: yeah. let, let me call him. I can see if he can come down.
0: <laughs> I know. I was looking. His questions were good. I was gonna ask his first because it's.
1: He out time. I don't or... know where he is. I think
0: he's downstairs
1: somewhere. He probably
0: doesn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> <Probably not>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can ask one of his questions first. Oh, so cute. Um. So speaking of family, Thanksgiving, your brother asked a question. And it's kind of perfect timing. It's off season yeah. right now, so he asked, "How does your off season training differ versus in season?" So I think that's kind of important because even I'm having a tough time, you know, trying to figure that out right now with everything going on. So what do you guys think about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think dry is so probably the most important of it. Um, I my baby's diaper smelled so bad that I it literally <laughs> took over my brain.
0: Oh my gosh! that's so funny um it was just, it was what just the, what's off- the difference between what did you say
2: go go ahead go ahead
0: no it's just um how does your off season training differ versus in season?
2: oh got it got it um yeah, I'll go first I mean so off season is with beach volleyball at least like our schedules change a lot so the time amount of time that we have off is like different every off season and then you have like covid which is just like a whole nother start but basically we we look at the time that we have away from uh tournaments right once we enter the off season and then we kind of break it down to okay what tournament do we want to be peaking for ready to go whether that's the first tournament of the year or the third or something there might be some warm-up tournaments uh and then we go from where we want to be peaking and we work backwards from there like we want to have generally a month and a half of like really good training and then you go from that month and a half of really good volleyball training and then what kind of shape do i want to be in when that volleyball training starts and then you work backwards from there in terms of what when you're going to start your weight room training and then figure out how much time you want off to like how much mental time you want off a lot of, it, it varies for peop, different people like we talked to misty I was thinking she'd be like more like April. Like I never want to take time off. April takes time off, but probably less than most. Like she's in Brazil right now training. Yeah. And, um, but Misty was like, I'll take all off season. I didn't even want to think about volleyball. She'll take like three or four months, she said, right?
1: Yeah, she'd go from like November to February. Well, she right. so she would take off, of. she wouldn't touch a volleyball.
2: Right, right.
1: And she would lift a ton.
2: Yeah, so, and for me this year, I, I'm thinking, okay, well, this year's a little different, but in off season i kind of i feel like i'm in a point in my career especially now that i'm split blocking where i still have a lot to learn so i'm trying to like see new things and wrap my brain around new things before i get out to the court so i'll throw in more video during that time and then whatever i'm seeing on video if i'm trying to you know change a move like a defensive step or or just like how i distribute my body weight on defense or something like that, then I'll try to translate that into the gym. So I'm working on my game without actually playing volleyball. Cause you don't, I mean, once you get into a season, like an eight month world tour season mixed with AVP, like it's a grind mentally. So you don't want to be burnt out at all going into it. For me, I want to be like missing volleyball. Yeah. Um, so it's like, how much can I do and get done and like get a little bit better without being burnt out? Like without not being excited by the time everything starts.
1: Yeah, I've, uh, I still have no idea what to do with, with off season versus <laughs> off season. Cause I have like, I have the hardest time in season saying no to practices. And I'll be like, all right, like I'm going to train Monday, Tuesday and Thursday, Friday in the sand. But then like a really good team, like a billion staffer to be like, Hey man, like we need one more for Wednesday. Like, Well, I can't say no to billion staffers. So then I'll play Wednesday and this happens every week and then like four weeks in everything starts to hurt because i haven't taken a day off in like 30 days and i didn't know how to rehab for the first like four years of your career (laughs) Mm so i'm still trying to figure it out i um the off season though what i figured out is that like i need to lift heavy um jake gibb has actually done a really cool uh thing where he's been posting his workouts and saying what's been working for him and that's been like gospel for me he was because jake was like i'm doing really heavy eccentric lifting and um isometric lifting and then i actually have a meeting with christian hartford the usa trainer and he's going to put together an off-season program for me um because i was telling you try i was like right now in the weight room i'm like here's a bar i'm gonna pick it up like 30 times and then I'll be good
2: (laughs) that guy over there did did that exercise I'll I'll just jump in on that
1: (laughs) so I think um what it's
0: hard you just get so lost you're just so lost it's hard to figure it out when you're like especially like I don't have structure right now coming out from our fall training and I'm like okay even if you give me the exercises I don't have access to a weight room so how am I going to, what am I going to lift like a gallon of water? I don't really know what to do. So <laughs> yeah. I'm still learning too. It's tough.
2: Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of, I would say a blessing in disguise in terms of like, you're going to be transitioning to our lives, which is like everything's on the table or on, on you, you know, you don't really, you have to create all the structure and just start from scratch with it. So you're kind of getting a hint of it, but you still have that structure of school and what, you know, not? at least when you come back you know it's there um but yeah one one day it all gets pulled no oh, yeah. absolutely so,
0: travis what were you saying though i interrupted um,
1: you just kind of what, what i try what i'm going for this off season is i'm going to try to lift pretty heavy and to get like a good base of power and try to gain a little bit more weight because i finished this year like the lowest i've been in a while it was like 195 for a while and uh so try to get back up to like 210-ish with like a lot of squats, trap bar deadlifts, front squats and RDLs. And then I never really lift upper body anymore. That's just for like making sure my shoulder stays on, um, which isn't too difficult. So I try to lift like three days a week legs and then don't jump until like maybe mid January, early February, because jumping is what just like kills my knees. And so I'm gonna try to stay off jumping and do like build a base of power. And then once in season, I'm gonna have to ask Christian. I'll let you guys know what I figure out
0: <laughs> well then it's pretty like individual specific then because you know if you're not jumping I mean everyone's whether it's just you or you and your partner it's totally specific to your individual injuries or needs or whatever it is so that's another interesting point too
2: yeah
0: um, I, think,
2: uh, I think the consistent part is that well it depends on age too right you ask all the older guys they're not taking breaks they're not they're taking the weight training and all that really seriously because they have to it's like when you're in high school or middle school like you don't even warm up right you just sprint out there and do it so you got to take that into consideration like taylor crab still like has the body of like a 19 year old yeah right <laughs> like he's light and skinny and he's insane uh, so i don't think he does as much training but i think everyone once to build strength and kind of rehab and feel healthy in the off season, be really strong, probably at your highest weight going into season, and then maintain on your off days. Try to maintain as best you can. That's kind of the goal once you're in season. Yeah. So for some people, that means lifting the day after a tournament and like every off day. And for some people, it's just once or twice. For some people, it's light. Sometimes people, it's heavy. But the idea is you want to maintain as much of that muscle mass as possible because the season's going to
0: suck it off you basically yeah cool. Absolutely. um so key volleyball they asked what do you think is a skill that people often forget to train so kind of going off of this off-season training what do you think people forget to do most whether it's in the weight room or on the court whatever it is
1: I think uh off the top of my head I, I think serving is probably the most often Forgot about skill, which is ironic because it's the only one where you don't need anybody to help you with. You can just grab a bag of balls and go out and serve. And I think it's arguably the most valuable skill you can bring to the table, especially like if you're, say, I mean any level, but especially like if you're like a double A player and you can bring like a nasty jump serve to the table, like that's a pretty dang good skill to have. Because I feel like most people they like do passing drills, but when they're when you're the server doing a passing drill, you're just like popping floats in. And no one really thinks about becoming a really good server. And I think it's funny because my boy uh, Joey Keener, he's like the first guy who who was was one of the first guys who worked with me. And before my first open tournament in um, Florida, he was like, Listen, man, like your skills are not nearly good enough to be playing in open. So why don't you go serve like 50 balls a day before this tournament? And that'll be the one thing you can control. And we ended up making the finals. And Joey was like, all right, well, if you just listen to everything I tell you, then it's going to work out pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I would go with serving. I, I think people just for, kind of forget it.
2: The story sounds like um, Travis, the kid Travis from Volleyball from Milkshaves. <laughs> <laughs> I might have pulled some things from reality. <laughs> sounds, about, sounds like it. <laughs> um, for me, the most underrated skill – the thing that comes to mind and it's not like the most important skill like serving might be you know but i think the most underrated skill is like blocking footwork to be really specific i don't think people realize how important it is like i got really into it with hayden and we got pretty intricate with it and then so when i stopped you know make making these good habits and i'm not doing the moves i can really tell like holy crap it fully like takes me from an elite blocker to an average blocker um and i think some people just never really think about it. they're just like thinking about what they're doing up above the net and they don't realize that they're i mean your feet need your base needs to be under you perfectly to get your maximum jump right uh and then obviously you want to be in the right spot to make whatever move you're making up top Um, it's like, it's like how coaches talk about passing. You have to pass before – passing is the most important thing for hitting, right? It's the same thing. Like, without the footwork, being in the right spot, the stuff up top is not going to happen.
1: Yeah. So okay. my- I'm going to ask you a follow-up and try because I think that you have some of the best like, blocking feet of anyone that I've watched film on. Um, and I think that's a considerable amount. Um, how do you work on your blocking footwork then? Like if I'm, if I'm a blocker and I'm trying to work on my blocking footwork, like what are a couple of things that I can do? Uh,
2: well, I think first of all, so let's say on the sand, um, when you're doing blocking drills, do the feet first, like don't even jump, go through the motions of the feet. And when you load, get down to like I'd watched game footage of myself and pot and it like the balls that I'm blocking. I'm blocking my best uh games and I know I blocked this ball and I see where my feet are, how deep I am, what you know, what angle my body is. And like I I didn't know my feet were so narrow. I'm when I'm blocking really well, my feet are like three, four inches apart. Yeah. Which is like kind of weird for like someone who's six five, right, or with really long legs. You think they'd be a little further apart. But that's how I get my most explosiveness. So now I'm doing those footwork things before I do my blocking. And we kind of ease into it. You know, it's like Steph Curry will go. I watched his master class for basketball. He goes and shoots from two feet away from the basket. Every shooting routine. Okay. Three feet, four feet, you know. He eases into it and he makes sure he has the fundamental down before he gets to the to the more complicated, intricate stuff. So for me, I just think do the footwork first, do it right. Once you have it right, then do the the real blocking, but make sure the feet are right first. So now you're getting reps doing it the right way. You're teaching your body how it feels. The other way is in the gym, like me, me and my trainer constantly simulating real blocking moves. And then I'm visualizing, okay, I'm blocking. So I get the blocking footwork, I get the blocking feel, I touch the ground the way I block. Um and then it's just muscle memory. Like the more you do it, the more yeah. it's gonna feel like it's it's gonna translate into the game. So yeah. Just yeah, taking, absolutely taking notes. Yeah, and I just did a YouTube video about it <laughs> on, on my personal YouTube. Which is that? Yeah. What, just tryborn on YouTube? Tryborn, yeah. There we go. <laughs> I love it. Seth, so, what about you? What do you think?
0: Um, I mean it, both are interesting because I feel like serving something that I I need to work on the most. Um, I feel like I've always been the type of player that's like I want to get my serving because I want to I don't want to just give them a point. I'd rather get my serving and and be scrappy defender. But that when you get to the higher level, that doesn't work. If you don't get teams out of system, like if you're playing a really good team, you're kind of screwed. So that's something that I really needed to work on and have been working on. Um, you know, during the past couple of weeks during this fall, whether it be a gnarly float or a short serve or like a deep, like pop one deep in the corner or even a top spin just to put some spin on it to make it harder to set stuff like that is totally important. And then I also got some blocking reps. Um, and I need to talk to you about it, try, because I have no idea what I'm doing. So it's good <laughs> to hear from you. I'm actually learning on this podcast. The footwork is so important because I don't really know what I'm doing, but, um, you know we want everyone on the team to be flexible and who knows if I need to split block or block or defend we don't know especially no. with covid if someone gets covid you you never know where you're going to be so um i've split block before but it's always just like front the hitter besides you can you know i no. i never really thought about the footwork so that's super important and then um for me i think setting i think setting um is so important too and it's something that um I haven't worked on enough. I've always been a bump setter and I'm transitioning into more hand sitting. I'm a pretty big deep disher. So it's not only squaring up and falling through, it's setting on top of my head and not at my chin. I mean, there's so many little intricate things in volleyball that people don't realize that can make you go from a good player to a great player. And it just comes with, um, obviously time and experience. So, I mean, I could go on and on, but, um,
2: We
3: will get you back to Sandcast in a moment. Just wanted to drop a quick word from our sponsors. Uh, First off, VolleyballMag.com, who has been with us since literally day one. Uh, Those are the guys who named the show Sandcast, actually. They are uh, running a fundraising campaign uh, in a way you can become a member of VolleyballMag.com. It's just a donation-based thing where you get certain perks for being a platinum-level reader versus a gold-level reader. Uh, in any event, it is just to support VolleyballMag.com and Lee Feinswag and Ed Chan, who have never taken a paycheck from the site, but they just continue putting out content because it's a labor of love, and the donations help pay for the website uh, and for freelancers like myself and Tri, who contribute to VolleyballMag.com. So go check out their website, VolleyballMag. You'll get a pop-up uh, to be a member. Uh, if you could be a member, it doesn't matter how much you donate, any little bit helps those guys. And uh, they've done great things for the sport. So the least that we can do here on Sandcast is ask you to support them as well. This show is also brought to you by Wilson Volleyball, the number one maker of beach volleyballs in the game, the number one maker of any beach volleyball equipment in the game. And you can use our discount code SANDCAST-20 to get 20% off all Wilson products. That is SANDCAST-20 to get 20% off. And now, back to the show.
0: Mike Lessel asked a question which kind of piggybacks off what we were just talking about. He asked, what are the best ways to learn the X's and and O's and strategies of beach? So is it reading a book, watching film? What do you guys think? Because I mean, obviously repetition and practice, but what are the best ways to learn kind of the basic stuff?
1: That's a, that's such a good question. Um, For me, it probably differs the way you learn. Um, I think there's so many different types of learners. Um, For me, it is, putting myself in as many situations as possible, which is playing as many tournaments as possible, but then watching film as many tournaments as possible to see what other players are doing in those exact situations and then seeing what I could have done better. Um, cause if you look at, uh, what, yeah, I think actually try and Trevor are a pretty good team for me to watch because we're all the same exact type of build. We're all like six, four, six, five ish sort of undersized blocker kind of um, and I'm, I'm not even going to pretend to be a defender, but we have to be pretty strategic in our defensive moves because we're not really going to make a ton of plays. Like like Anders and Oleg Stojnowski can just run a standard line block the whole time and don't have to get too tricky because they're enormous. Um, but I think that watching how Try and Trevor call a game with their blocking and what moves they make and when, um, like talking to Todd Rogers about this, was fascinating because when he was playing with Theo, he would just let – cut shots go the entire set and then when it was like 15-14 then he'd get the cut shot and it'd be 16-14 and then he'd get the cut shot and it'd be 17-14 and Theo would be like like why'd you wait so long and Todd was like well I don't need to have an 8-5 lead I want to have an 18-15 lead and so it's just figuring out when to make the right call and so and that's just like playing tournaments so many tournaments that you put yourself in these situations and you learn when to set up the high line shot when you just like when you wait to run that four because you know that that the high line's coming um so i think the more you put yourself in that situation and just watch and watch and watch film and you see what other players are calling and how they navigate the game um i think it just sort of comes to you and it'll take it just takes years of just doing it and watching yeah
0: just time yeah i
2: think travis has a super good perspective on it because of how you entered the sport late and you know you're kind of behind on everything you have a lot of resources because you have access to all the top players but yeah for me like a lot of it when you talk about me and trevor deciding what to block i'm like we've just been playing it forever like sometimes there's no strategy to it (laughs) i think there is but we're just like i'm just like i don't know i feel aggressive and you know it's like a feeling thing like i'm just gonna block like, hey, screw the plan. I'm gonna block whatever I want. I'm just gonna feel it because yeah other stuff's not working. So it's basically saying let's just wing it and trust our instincts. Um but um for I'm totally I feel like a beginner beginner of the sport right now. Um I've been hitting up a bunch of people to watch film with them. I'm trying to learn how to watch film better um and get more from it. And what I've noticed is I think I was trying to learn too much all at once. You know, like I'm going to watch Todd Rogers and and then almost subconsciously you feel like at the end of the film session you're going to like understand what he does, right? And it just doesn't work like that. So, it was like breaking it down to where I have a 2-hour film session and I'm watching like the weight distribution of the defender, you know, and just being okay with like that's all I'm getting here, that's all I'm going to watch and then I'm going to practice and Maybe I suck at, you know, I'm not doing everything the right way. Like I want to be at certain practices, but I'm there to learn and teach my body what it feels like to have that weight distribution and see if it works for me, see if I want to apply it. And now you have like your three days in and all you did was work on weight distribution. But like, especially at my level, it's like, just getting that little bit, that little, little something that you picked up that week or that, maybe that practice. It's rare that you pick up something big in one practice um and you're able to apply it. But it's like picking one thing really small. So don't pick like strat volleyball strategy. I'm gonna learn that today. Like that's a lot. I'm I do not even know what that is. I'm trying to learn all that. <laughs> yeah right yeah exactly. So like work work on chapter one first and then stick with that for like a month or months you know whatever it is however long and then when you feel like it's kind of applying itself then move on and obviously you're not going to just stick with one little thing like you can jump around but um, I think you just you have to be realistic about how much you can learn it's not only about learning it here it's about applying it right and that's muscle memory stuff so you have to teach your body what it feels like yeah and then you have to get rid of the old habit as well. So, yeah, Absolutely. take
0: your time with it. Um, I had a question just kind of on my own going off of that. Do you guys think that, you know, if you're trying to get to a high level, do you think you're going to learn the most and get, get better? If you're playing with you and your partner and like you just playing doubles and playing against people and just focusing on your partnership, or do you think you can improve a lot if you're playing, twos, fours, sixes with all different people mixing it up. What do you guys think about that? Because especially during COVID right now, I feel like it's hard. People are at home and it's harder to be with your partner a lot. And obviously there's not a lot of sixes tournaments going on, but there's some four-on-four tournaments that I kind of want to talk about after this as well that I think are amazing. So do you think that um, you can go out and play with a bunch of random people and you still improve your game as much as you would if you were just focusing with you and your partner and, and a coach?
2: Yeah, I think it probably depends on what you're learning, right? Like, so if I'm th- learning blocking and I go out there with Chris Crabb and the Nooners, right, the uh, the Crab's dad, <laughs> Crabboy's dad, it's probably not going to be great practice. But if I go out there and play with him and I play defense and I'm kind of playing, like, hop and shoot and seeing where he goes and what how he's utilizing his speed, like, because, I mean, he's, like, in his 70s but he's still making mm-hmm. these really smart moves and putting himself in good positions. So if I go play with players like that, I'm going to pay attention to that stuff. I'm going to try to simulate what they're doing and why they're doing it and see if I can try to learn something new. If I'm playing fours, it's more of that hard-driven defense, right? Uh, blocking, you're probably, you have to work on those big steps. Um, but it, I don't know, it depends what you go into it with because sometimes you just mm-hmm. like, it's beer, volleyball, but you're not really thinking about what you're doing. You're just laughing and having fun, which is great. There's a time and a place for that. But are you getting better at volleyball? Pro- probably not, realistically. And then you just have to figure mm-hmm. out, is, are you there to have fun or are you there to get better? If you're there to get better and not have fun and you're sh- better off resting, then then you should probably be resting. But yeah. for me, I, like I always say that I, I I'd like to play for fun a little bit more. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think, I think it's a fine line, especially if you're very focused on doubles like, and you're training at it full-time. You have to put a ton of time into doubles and those specific yeah. skills. Because like, take an indoor national team player and let's go play fours. He's going to be amazing.
0: Yeah.
2: Take an indoor national team player and let's go play twos. They're going to be tragic, probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just very different, uh, yeah, the I skills see. you're working on. I, uh,
1: I'm am a pretty firm believer that anytime you step on a volleyball court you can get better at volleyball if you put your mind in the right spot it's so like say you're playing uh-huh. ace at 16th street in Hermosa there's a very good chance that you could get worse at volleyball that day if <laughs> if, if you're just like out there to drink but if you're out there playing ace and, and you're setting for example and you're letting someone else drink for you. And you're like, all right, I'm going to work on backsetting handsets. Right? So, Savvy, you're working on handsetting. That could be a great opportunity yeah. for you to get better. Um, yeah. I played a force tournament in Florida, um, which is just like a fun party tournament. Um, and, and I was setting. But I learned so much from playing against Taylor in the finals. I've never seen someone tool that successfully that many times in a row. Like, I had, like, I had no answer for them. And so for me, as, as a hitter, I was like, all right, I need to learn how to do, like, what was Taylor doing? So I actually, like, watched some of the film from our forest nets just to see, like, how Taylor was approaching and swinging to tool me and Cody Caldwell, like, 20 times in a row. Um, so I think that as long as your mind, you're putting it in the right spot, you can always get better. But it's very easy, like, if you're just playing, like, sixes or ace or whatever, like, yeah, I mean, you can let it go. But I think in terms of twos, if you're just playing with all different people, yeah, I think that's a great opportunity to get better because I think that you can get better with all sorts of different personalities on the court you can find different sets you can play different sides you can play different positions so I think that as long as your head's in the right spot you can always get better
0: yeah totally and I think too I mean once you get to the higher level and you have goals of winning tournaments playing AVP and FIVB it's probably more important to focus on doubles but if you're younger I always tell girls that I if I'm coaching younger girls in high school or middle school to play indoor as long as they can and beach because touching the ball that many times and being with that many different personalities and coaches helps it'll just make you better regardless so I think at different ages it might shift but I I agree that with both of you that if you're in the right mindset and you're going there to get better you can regardless of what you're doing even if you're just peppering i can get better at hand setting if i'm just peppering so that's super important um and i wanted to talk to you about the four on four tournaments that are going on delaney's killing it it looks like so what do you guys yeah. think about those that are going on they look so fun
1: the mckibbons are are like killing it this this is like year of the beard and we, we got to get maddie and riley on to talk about the amazing race um but yeah like they're on the amazing race maddie got engaged riley's gonna have a kid um, they made the, they had the fours event up here. They, had, they put on the KOB, um, the McKibbens are awesome. And they're just putting on like all these fun events. I think the fours event in Hermosa, um, was, it was like such a cool way to end the year for everyone. Cause it's just like a really fun tournament. It was really competitive. Like the teams that played were really good. Um, but it was also just like really fun vibes in Sixteenth Street. They got some Texas people to play to fly in, so they got an opportunity to play high level ball out of here i don't know it was it was really cool just to like see the like what the McKibbons have been able to do like they've put on like three events in hermosa, which is that's yeah. a lot for
2: this year yeah, no, I think it's awesome, and I was looking forward to playing fours they they just couldn't put it on until after um I was gone hi uh but clean <laughs> diaper oh here we go <laughs> you got a fresh diaper don't worry <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> all right time to go the dog the daughter was here for those of you on um only on the audio <laughs> um the boards are awesome like i mean like you were saying earlier like taylor's really good at tooling the block you say right yeah it's like you were saying savvy is like how does he know how to do that all his time he played indoors right and now fours comes out and you get to see the hybrid of his twos game mixed with his indoor game, both which are really elite um and so for me that's what it was it was like um that's what it's like for me to, to get to play fours which i which is always bummed that I was back here in Hawaii but um yeah like you can play middle you get to have a little bit more of that indoor team camaraderie there's a lot of opportunities to get better in an environment like that, right, where you're playing for something, whether you're betting for, like, I don't know, 50 bucks or something. Um, mm-hmm. As long as everyone's, like, trying to win and compete and play at a high level, I think there's a lot of opportunity to get better. And fours is fun. And and the argument here, I think, that the McKibbins are making is, is it more entertaining to watch for fans? Um, and they get to kind of figure out what people like based on how many views it gets, right? So if a four-man video blows up versus the two-man KOB that we did, they're going to keep doing four-man videos. And that kind of shows you where our sport's at and where the fan, fan base is at. Yeah. So who knows? I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think there's plenty of opportunity to get better playing both. And, and I'm for sure – am in on the next one, I was bummed that they had Team Hawaii without me. Trevor's on the bench. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But I mean, yeah, I think it's it's interesting because it's just something new, I feel like. And that's why I feel like people love watching doubles and love going to A V P events. But when they see a four and four tournament, it's like you don't see that as much. You may see a six man here and there, but like the fours are just so new. So I think that's probably why the videos might be getting more views or people more interested, because it's it's just cool. And I think, you know, for me, I've, I've never really played an AVV, AVP tournament and it's really cool to see like all of these professional players playing together, like seeing spawns and, you know, play with Delaney and stuff. I'm like, Oh my God, it's so fun to see everyone coming together. And it really shows the sense of community that the beach volleyball world has, which I think is awesome. And I think people love to see that. So I mean, I, I love it. I think it's rad. Um, are they killing it on the amazing race? I haven't been watching it. Are they dominating yep. or what's they're going on?
1: Like they're play- they're doing so well. It's really funny because I don't want to have any spoiler alerts, but um they've like formed this so I watched the amazing race like as a kid growing up. So mm-hmm. I like love the show. And they yeah. formed this like alliance with four other teams that's like I've I'd never seen before. So like there are teams like stopping in the middle of the race to go back. And, like, if it's a trivia question, like, tell the other team the answer. Who then tells the other team the alliance the answer. Then tells the other team. So they're just, like, this pack of five is just, like, moving
2: on together. Right. They're trying to, like, be the, the final four. And then they can all be like, okay, alliance is off now that we've made it this far.
1: Yeah. So, so they're killing it. Super fun <laughs> That's to That's so cool. Have you and Gab been watching, That's so
2: cool. Yeah, we've been watching. It's, it's been hilarious to watch.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I try to, like, not be biased. I'm like, all right, well, if I didn't know Maddie and Riley watching the show, like, would they be my favorite team? And I'm like, gosh, I want to say yes. But my little brother, his favorite team is D'Angelo Williams and uh, Gary Barnridge.
2: I love them, too, because I watched D'Angelo for years. Yeah. And they just yeah. keep, like, talking shit to each other. <laughs> <I
1: know. laughs> They're great. I like them, and I like uh-huh. the ones that just keep hanging on. They're on, like, their sixth lifeline. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, i'd love to hear trevor on the show just like every interview just talking shit on <laughs>
0: <laughs> i need to start watching because my, my even my grandma's like the McKibben brothers on the amazing race and i'm just like oh my gosh it's like i need to start watching because it it's, seems awesome
2: it's crazy what they're doing with the sport like the path they took in terms of like like we talk about it a lot like don't go down the volleyball pipeline just because you're supposed to and because everyone else has done it like create your own path through the volleyball world and they've done that such in such a good way that it's paying dividends I mean they're like the most popular people in our sport now all mm-hmm. of a sudden and when they came out I was like you guys like want to train like what are how are you going to do this how are you going to get like to the top and they're, they're basically like they didn't tell me like we're not going to try focus on volleyball but they're like yeah we're not we're not really going to like do all that stuff, training, the national team, all that. I'm like, so how are you going to make a living? (laughs) Sure enough, a few years later, they're like the most popular people in the sport.
1: Yeah. They've, they've done a great job of it. Yep.
0: Yeah. Well that kind of leads into another question that I thought was interesting. And I mean, I kind of look at you guys as like role models and people I can kind of ask questions to, but, um, Rohan Chitella asks, what are the financials of being a professional beach volleyball player in California, like rent, food, et cetera. And that's kind of something that like, you know, even I want to know about because it's something that I am trying to do and I know it's not easy. So, you know, obviously they're making a living by carving their own path and doing their own YouTubes and all these different things. So, you know, I'm sure it's pretty hard if you're just playing volleyball because if you're not dominating every tournament, how are you making a living?
2: I'm going to pass this one on to Travis cuz he pretty sure he wrote a book about it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so my, he literally wrote
2: a book about it, so Travis tell them.
1: Yeah, but this so the first beach volleyball book I wrote. Um we were kings. Kind of digs into a lot of this um just about how like people kind of do that qualifier grind until they either they either make it, which most do not cuz I mean you have to be pretty much on the USA stipend really. To be comfortable enough to be making a living in the sport or doing something that the mckibbons are doing where you're getting a lot of uh it's not passive income that they're making but they're able to leverage their platform in the sport to then fund their way to play um so i mean the financials the vast majority of people i would say 95 percent of beach volleyball players will lose money playing beach volleyball Mm -hmm. um So you need to, I mean, if you're like looking to get into it, the best thing I would recommend is learn how to like make a sponsor packet to send to sponsors and really learn how to create value for them. Um, But most players will have uh, pretty much like a full time, part time job, like not a career, Um, because then like if you're like a waiter, you can say work 50 hours one week and 10 hours the next when you have a tournament and then go work 50 hours the next week and 12 the next week when you're going to Manhattan for the tournament. Um, And then some players like Sheila Shaw um, has always had a career like a nine to five and she can only train in the evenings. And so she's always been like lower tier main draw, but she's been able to make a living as a career doing, I think she's in uh, real estate now. By um, like kind of doing marketing stuff um so most players will have like either a part-time job or two part-time jobs that they can just sort of like switch hours to make their tournament schedule work or um i have the blessing of working remote and i can write from anywhere in the world so i've never had to take a day off to play beach volleyball because then i just will either write 10 stories the week before and schedule them to post while i'm playing so it just looks like i'm doing a 100 things at once when i just work harder one week um so if I had to give any advice, I would say try to find a job you can work remote and you can sort of make your own schedule because then you can work from tournaments and it's not really a huge bother. But it's it's crazy to see what everyone does. Like Eric Zahn lived in a van. I lived in a garage for six months. Um, you're talking about maybe living in the Forerunner, which I, <laughs> I I think would be awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll see. I don't know what's gonna happen, but. Covid is causing some issues with the housing, so I don't know what I'm gonna do. But yeah. you know, we'll yeah. see what happens. <laughs>
2: I think you got to uh, like. That's like great advice from Travis, and I think he, he really understands what it what it's like uh, coming out. But y'all, an important thing is because I'm thinking of every like some people come out and they're coming off of being elite college players, and that's a little different than if you're just trying to work your way up through the, you know, whatever, triple AA, AAA system or CBBAs and all that stuff. Um, so you have to really gauge where you're at and, and what where you think you can finish, you know, and then what kind of living will come off of that. And then from there, it's like, okay, well, I want to get to this point. Should I invest my time in getting my time and money into getting to that point and that money, and then it'll pay for itself? Or should I invest more in, you know, just becoming solid where I'm at? Or like, I don't know, you have to figure out where you're trying to go. Because um, at the same time, as much as I'm like, yeah, like, be realistic and get a, you should get a side job. Um, I also think you should go all in. Like if you think you can be on the national team and get to where, where I'm at, a lot of the top people are at where they don't even think about a side job. You gotta go all in on it. It's like uh, our buddy Will Montgomery. He uh, he was a great player. He gave him he gave himself kind of a timeline, but it wasn't exactly the time. It was like I'm gonna try. I'm gonna go all in and do whatever it takes to at least attempt to get to that point. And if I don't get there, then I'll be realistic and get that. He went and became a fireman, and he's doing great with that now. Um, but don't cut yourself short either. You know where some people are like, oh, I'm just going to dabble in it. Like, if you dabble in it, you're going to be a, a dabbling player. Yep. <laughs> dabble level player. <laughs> um, if you're coming off of collegiate volleyball and you're one of the top players, well, look at what the players in front of you have done and how quickly they've moved up and, and set your bar there. You know what I mean? Um, and that, for me, that comes with learning how to be a professional athlete because you're going to be a full-time professional athlete. That's where you're trying to go. So study that game and invest your time in in all those things that come along with it, which is a lot of stuff we talk about here. You know, the studying the game, lifting, nutrition. Um, something that I don't I don't think a lot of players have thought about, and I'm extremely grateful that I thought about it fairly early on. Is think about the business side of the things, like the kids are doing it. Um, it's paying dividends for me now. I started years ago like just trying to learn. I was like I'm going to get an agent, not cuz I think I'm that valuable, but because that's where I want to be. I want to have an agent, have them have uh the agent teaching me things and and helping me learn the business and um so then down the years once my wins started coming, I was all set. I was ready to go. I had the agent in place and then the sponsorships came. And I understood what that meant and how to talk to um these corporations and like understand what they want and and um figure out what i can do for them and and learn that whole game which is huge these these people are investing money into you so you have to understand what they want um, so and you have to learn that before before you want the sponsorship right because you have to be able to go into the meeting and understand this stuff so just understanding that side of the game media as well is really important especially in this day and age public speaking which you're doing great with just learning this kind of stuff um you're going to be in front of camera if you're if you shy up on camera they're probably not going to call you for the next interview you want to be on camera because brands want to be on camera so like if you have your brand on your hat you're going to want to rep it um, that kind of stuff you know um but you have to gauge where you're at i think that was a long answer to that
1: i think i think that's an awesome answer and, and you know, Sav, I think this kind of applies to you too in that um, you only your athletic prime is only so many years, right? And you can work, you know, you can be in the media till you're 80, right? So, I mean, I always look at that whenever I think about like, oh, you know, I could probably be making a little bit more money if I wasn't trying to play so many tournaments. But then I'm like, well, I have maybe six or seven years left of being able to do it at a pretty high level. And then I have another 60 where I can work, you know, so I'm like, all right, well, exactly. I, you know, while I can play beach volleyball, like, I'm going to play beach volleyball and, and do what I can because I think that also, and I think as a creative yourself, you'll find that to be incredibly valued, the experiences that you have are, they become such great material for you. And that every time I go to a beach volleyball tournament, I come out with some of the best stories that I'll ever write. Not because, like, I'm becoming a better writer, but because the, the experiences that I'm having, you can't miss when you're writing about it, like it's so easy. So I think that, you know, especially for someone like you in the creative industry, like for you to just get out and, and kind of go all in and, and grind a little bit to make it work financially, like you'll come out 10 times better and it's going to pay so many dividends even if you don't see the immediate return on that investment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, you guys both brought up good points. And I, I actually just talked to um, Zana the other day uh, just catching up and, like you know how's volley she's like well it's just tough because right now there's nothing going on and she goes I might have to get a job or something I might have to become an adult and it's just it's hard to hear that because (laughs) she's such a good player and you know I've played with her I played against her and and she did so well in her first year on the AVP tour and it's like geez this is just a tough year right now but it's true that if you're gonna go all in and you wanna get to like obviously there's the a v p but there's there is a next level, and if you wanna get to the next level, you do have to go all in and it you know you might struggle for a little bit financially, but you gotta believe in yourself, and so it's it's people like Zana, who's so incredible and so talented, it's like gosh, I mean people are really missing out on some amazing opportunities this year, so it's like do you be patient, wait and see what this next summer looks like. And, you know, and keep training super hard and going all in and hopefully there's tournaments or do you kind of sit back and get a job and like build up your finances so you can pay for some travel and stuff. I mean, it's all just a balance. It's time management. There's so many things and it is just dependent on who you are and where you're at and what you really want to do. Because if you really want to do it, you do have to go all in. And, you know, I'm getting asked the question a ton, like, what are you going to do with your life? My brother literally asked me today. And I was like, can you not, can you not word it like that? I don't like when you word it, like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. It's just, you know, obviously crazy times right now, but um, I just answered, I'm like, well, I want to play volleyball. It's what I want to do. And um, that's what I am planning on doing, but I can't be like, "Eh, I think I'm going to do it. I got to commit to it if that's what I really want to do. And obviously I'm trying to do these little interviews on the side and it's hard with time and I'm still taking class and everything, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a learning game. And, you know, as you get older, you get better at it, but I think too, getting an agent or just at least learning about the business side is so important too. I mean, I could go on and on, but it's just, there's so much to it. It's not just like a nine to five. There's you got to plan your schedule. Um,
2: And I tried to get an agent early on and it didn't work. But, like, my experience of trying to get one and realizing, oh, maybe it's a little early or whatever, that agent was like, hey, it's it's not a right fit right now. Like, the value's not there. It's not mutually beneficial. But if you ever have questions, just hit me up. So now I had an agent to access when, like, text questions, what do you think, this, that. And then when the next opportunity came and I had a meeting with an agent, I was, like, fully ready for it. And he's like, okay, let's do this um so it it really is like investing time and being ready for it to pay small dividends over the years that are going to compound. because like I remember having the same thought I mean I the stuff that I was doing I was like I don't know if this is going to pay off I'm just doing it to do it because I want to learn new stuff and now down the line I'm like wow that set me up everything I was doing back then fully set me up and it's so hard to see in the moment yeah. she got to be
0: patient she's got to be yep. patient.
2: patient
0: um yeah that's yeah and I think time management it's something you learn in college but it, it continues to go all throughout your life and um you guys are doing this podcast obviously on your free time so um Joe Meser, if he asks what have been or what are the biggest challenges to doing this podcast I think that's another interesting question it's something that you're doing on the side of everything else you're doing so what have what have been some of the challenges and all, you know I want to ask too what have been some some of the uh amazing parts of it too
1: um well I think one of the challenges we're, we're looking at it right here we got east coast time west coast time and Hawaii time you know and this is yeah. uh semi-frequent when especially you know when tries on the road um we either have to record way ahead of time and stack up five or six episodes, you know, when you're going from Osterwald to Warsaw to Stad to China to wherever, you know, and, and we can't connect. And, and I know how hard it is to do these podcasts on the road, even though, like, you have so much free time when you're at those events. But, like, the last thing you want to do is try to figure out the time difference to do a podcast and then interviewing another player. Mm-hmm. And, like, it. so now when you're on the road, I just, like, try to leave you alone <laughs> because, like, you got a job to do. Uh, but it's I think it's really easy,
2: right? When we were in the beginning, like, dude, I'm on the road with all the top players in the world. Let's do it. And then I get in there and I don't – I guess you don't realize, like, you're dialed in the entire time. Like, if yeah. you're in your room chilling, it's because you want to take your mind off and you're not – like, there's intention behind it every second almost, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that did become difficult.
1: So I, I think that that's kind of our main challenge is that, you know, because tries on – you know, he's at the, the top 1% of the world. Um, that's his focus, you know, and this podcast, even though it's once a week, it is hard to do once a week because we, then we also have to get another player who's open um, to open to doing a podcast and we have to figure out a time. So we either have to plan ahead or we just wing it, which is somehow we've done this for three straight years just winging it. <laughs> yeah. it's worked
0: it's worked great for you guys yeah.
1: and it really has and, and that kind of brings the, the flip side of that coin that you mentioned Sav, is that like what are the the rewards of it and you know for me you know if we're talking that like you know what we're thankful for this thanksgiving like when i look back in the last three years of this podcast like i mean i've gotten like beach volleyball 101 202 my master's and doctorate degree just from being in the same room as all the best players you know not just even in the country but in the world on this podcast and I get to pick their brains. And like I mentioned at the beginning of this show, I was going through the transcripts and putting together the highlights of what a lot of the guests have been saying. And I was reading it and I was like, Oh my God, like, this is just like absolute gold. Like the stuff that Brandy Wilkerson was saying to Kelly Reeves, to Mike Dodd, to read pretty. And you're looking at these names and you're like, these are the greatest players currently and the greatest players of all time. And we've gotten To talk to them and just like ask them whatever we want so even though like yeah some of it's challenging but it's also the challenges are also fun and kind of hilarious and then the rewards of it are i mean it's it's ridiculous it's priceless what we get out of the show
2: yeah and i mean talk about investment of your time right like what we did was we were able to find something that worked well to our strengths right like i had right before the podcast started i had um Invested a lot of time. I took classes and, and learned public speaking. I took broadcasting classes and, and then I spent that whole summer on the A V P tour broadcasting. So I knew the sport because I put in my time and then I learned how to talk about it. And that's all about I, that's all I had. And that wasn't good enough to start a podcast. But then I met Travis and he kind of filled the void and we made the podcast based on his strengths in addition to my strengths. And I think that's the biggest thing because like I, I honestly could not do this. Alone, and I wouldn't do it. It's just the whole writing part of it that he's really good at. I just don't have time for or want to do. Um, and luckily, I happen to have, you know, my whole phone's full of all the top players because those are my colleagues and whatnot. And and um, so it was just like the perfect combination. I think for a people like, I wouldn't say start a podcast because you like podcasts. Start a podcast because it works to your strengths. And like every little thing that comes along with it is like, yeah, I'm down to invest my time in that. But like what we talked about, the biggest thing is we're investing our time into this podcast, but we're learning too, right? All this knowledge, everything I hear, it's, it's somehow building up a database in my head and helping me become better at the main thing, which is me trying to become as good as I possibly can at volleyball. Um, so I'd say for other people, if you want to do like a little business venture, like figure out your strengths, and work within that, what we call the blue ocean, right? Didn't you recommend that book to me, Travis? Yeah,
1: I think you might have recommended, I recommended,
2: oh, maybe well, I recommend.
1: I think you recommended Blue Ocean Strategy, but I had heard of the concept before of just like creating your own market, which right. at the time we kind of did because there was no beach volleyball centric podcast. And they're really, I don't, I mean, Rob Sparrow runs one, but we're still kind of the only like beach volleyball only focused podcast so when you're a market of one you're automatically the number one ranked b be 12 podcast
2: <laughs> yeah, so don't try it people you know, just, go for it <laughs>
0: um i have a question i was just thinking um who have you guys learned the most from whether it be on or off the court who have you guys learned the most from during your podcast someone that like really stood out to you personally
1: gosh that's a great question uh I mean, my default answer would be try. I mean, I've gotten to spend the most time with him. I don't know if that's cheating or not. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I would say try. He was our first guest, you know, and, and I, you know, during when trial li- lives living in California, I get to see him like a couple times a week um, and get to pick his brain and hear what he says. Not like, I also love listening to the questions that you ask other guests like this the stuff that you're curious about to make you better because you're you know a couple levels up from where I am as a player but then like I'm seeing what you're asking so you can raise your level and not just as a player but like also what you're curious about as a human being um so I would say try and if that's cheating then I would say Mike Dodd um well I'd I'd
2: probably have to say Dodd too but I do film sessions on the side with Dodd nice covid time so i and then i write down what he says and then i go over it again because um, i just like how the way he sees the game um i honestly can't pick one person though like from from an actual podcast episode i can't like recall one like a bunch of stuff that one person said yeah i think the the way that i know that their podcast was valuable is like when i bring it up on another episode i'm like remember misty said this yeah, like remember this or that. Like, I remember April having a great one. Phil had great ones. All the old school. I mean, everyone. There's so many good ones. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have honestly learned a lot from Travis just to see the way that he approaches things from where he's at in the sport, and uh, the way that he's going about his. I mean, look, you you did like what the McKinnons are doing. You didn't have to be the best player to make a living. You like, <laughs> created your own way of being a making a living in the beach volleyball world and I think that's amazing I'm trying to do that strategy <laughs> exactly I'm trying to do that for myself and figure out what I mean obviously the podcast is that for me um, but I want to go beyond that and like do something really impactful and big outside of the sport which is why I'm kind of trying to dabble in everything starting the YouTube I got the Instagram like trying to figure out what's what's my thing instagram's been tough to grow for me I get like, Trevor's get, getting more followers than me. McKibben's or tripling me. When I first came out, it was me. I was like, oh, I'm higher than all my friends. And then they just all passed me. I'm like, I guess that 18 to 24-year-old uh,
0: like, crew doesn't like me.
2: I don't know. Uh, now I, I appeal to the dad, the dad parenting community, maybe. Uh, but, like, yeah, just figuring out... Uh, <laughs> Creative ways to do things, so I'll say my my podcast partner.
1: Love that, appreciate that. And speaking of the new dad community, congrats! Uh, we got to give all
0: you guys.
1: <laughs> we got to give a congrats to Stafford Slick for uh, having a uh, Christine, his new kiddo. Uh, Nick is about oh to God. have a new baby, and Betsy's gonna have one. So all sorts of new parents uh, this year. Good luck. <laughs> oh.
2: So funny hearing Nick talk about it. it stresses them right out so much. But like deep down, you know he's like so excited. Like that's the thing about kids. It's like they they make your life so complicated. But deep down, it's like, but I want another one. <laughs> it's like, when it's good, it's so good that you're like, yeah, who cares? Let's another. Let's do another. <laughs> it's so weird. You like be complaining, but then.
0: Travis, you know, are you gonna?
1: Well, Delaney's the breadwinner. Yeah, she's winning tournaments. We can't have the uh-huh. breadwinner having kids. Um, yeah, you gotta
2: you gotta carry this one, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: dude. Try it. Delaney was laughing so hard when you said that. You're like, "Well, can you carry it?" I was like, yeah. um, "I would if I could." <laughs> and then you know, Savvy
2: tells me that all the time. <laughs> you got the second
1: one. Yeah. So uh, so Delaney, it's funny because Savvy. You know, we kind of mentioned this earlier about, you know, having the full-time playing commitment versus financial and job. And Delaney's been, like, having mm-hmm. a hard time wrestling with that. But her winning that QOB in Florida, she's like, okay, you know, I can, maybe I can do this. Like, I'm pretty good at this. So she's yeah. like, that kind of pushed her over a little bit to, like, take volleyball as, like, maybe, like, a full-time thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're going to have to switch it. So
2: I'm, I'm going to have to focus a little bit more on hang rent.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. that's the other thing like that comes up is like timing right in our sport it's so much has so much to do with timing like look at stein right he was good he came out when the tour was fairly down i think like early early 2000s late 90s or whatever and by the time he was peaking the tour was on a really big up and he had a great peak of his career olympics all that but if he had peaked in 2008 or, or you know, 2009 when it went down, his name might, his name recognition might be a little different, you know? Yeah. So, like, to understand where the sport's at, where it's going to be in a year versus two years versus, like, for me, I'm looking, like, four years. Like, I'm going to want to be that top guy, you know? Maybe not. I mean, next year I want to be the top guy. Right. But – is it worth investing your time in? Is the tour getting stronger? Which I think the domestic tour is, world tours all over the place. I don't know. But timing also is is a big thing. So like to be taking your last year of college, for example, now, this year, is pretty good in terms of timing because you weren't yeah. gonna get paid anyway. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, exactly. My parents, I'm like, cause it's been so up and down and uh, I just I had to drive to LA today get a COVID test. It's just like the COVID test and the protocol, and I'm I'm driving, waking up at 4:30 and driving. I'm like, I'm like, is this worth it? I'm praying, is this worth it? Like going back, like I'm taking these random classes. Like, what am I doing with my life? I love UCLA. I love the girls. I love Sign and Jenny. Like, is this where I'm supposed to be? And and every time I ask it or I think it, I'm just like, well where else what else would I be doing it just makes the most sense to have been given that opportunity and to take it because why would I pass up another year of free training and free class and you know stuff like that so again timing is everything and yeah. you just got to be patient and hopefully it works out for the best I mean everything happens for a reason but you know you just got to be patient like you were saying about Delaney like you're getting a little worried about it and then you win a tournament and you're like great I'm feeling confident again you just got to keep pushing through and keep believing because it's, it's all worth it. Yeah. I mean, if we they're... have a ton of questions left. Should we just save them for the next one?
1: I would say let's pick, uh, pick one more. I think we one can more. ramble a little less on the last one. Either one more finishing <laughs> question, question, or we can go like Thanksgiving Kumbaya style and everyone says what they're thankful for. in Thanksgiving savvy, your choice.
2: I know what Travis wants.
0: <laughs> hmm. I have a funny one actually. Yeah i have a funny one and i kind of want to do the same thing this was a quick one but joe meserve also asked he said how come espn will show cornhole and shuffleboard but not beach volleyball i thought that was kind of funny because (laughs) i cornhole on espn all the time and i thought that was pretty funny because there's no beach volleyball and that's i guess kind of like what the mckibbons are doing trying to get the sport to be growing but you know it'd be nice to see some replays and stuff but you're not seeing it a ton. um so I met. It
2: out.
1: I met Joe uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was awesome to get to meet him. Um, and uh, so, Joe, if you're listening, it was great to meet you the uh, or a couple weeks ago. And uh, so, I think what people don't forget <laughs> is that cornhole and like drone racing, they pay ESPN a fortune to be on ESPN. And I think that Donald is savvy enough with money to understand that if Amazon is going to offer them money to be on Amazon or they could pay millions to be on ESPN, then Amazon's the way to go. So like, it's not like ESPN is paying Cornhole to get Cornhole on ESPN. It's the other way around. Uh, and that's the way the Beach Volleyball was for a long time. Beach Volleyball paid NBC to be on NBC, and then they had to make back that revenue via selling commercials. Amazon paid the, AB, the ABP, um, which is a perfect flip of financials where the ABP is now bringing in revenue rather than putting it out. So I think that the AVP is actually in a way better spot getting paid to be on Amazon, which is arguably just as big of a platform as ESPN is these days, if mm-hmm. not bigger. Um, yeah. So I would say forget about ESPN. Like, Amazon is awesome. Like, I'm I'm all, all aboard the Amazon Prime train.
2: Well, plus you can go back and watch old matches and, like, I mean, Amazon's the best place for our sport. But in terms of why Cornhole is on besides the business part of it, I mean... I think that things that they put up, people put on TV and what people watch just have to be relatable, right? So, like, cornhole is a big trend in the U.S. right now. So, if if there's – I'm playing cornhole at all these barbecues in the backyard, and then all of a sudden I can go watch, the like, these be, the best guys do it, I'm going to stay on that channel for a bit, right? So, they're kind of just playing to that. It's not that the sport's great or it's entertaining at all. Drone racing is like how many new age, new era kids are into drones and uh, video games and all that. Like it's, it's just like playing to a trend at the moment. And there's investors that are willing to put their money out there to say, I'm going to see if I can put this out there and turn it into a business opportunity. But I don't, I highly doubt that they're making much money off it. Although video games are making bank from what I understand. Crazy. Kids are watching. Other people play video games like yes, yeah. freaking NFL. Or the amount
1: of revenue they bring in, which we promised we wouldn't ramble, so I won't get into it. But it's nuts.
2: <laughs> well, and anyone can play cornhole, right? You're Playing cornhole in anywhere around the whole U.S. You can't play beach volleyball anywhere around the U.S. So yep. like they're just trying to relate to something that everybody does. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I've been important. asking myself this question, and it pisses me off. Every <laughs> time. This is bullshit. <laughs> Well, I play on ESPN top 10. What the hell? This the obvious this answer. just caught the ball over his head. Just, <laughs> that's
1: all I did. It's, the obvious answer is that cornhole is a more thrilling sport than beach volleyball. So, yeah, uh, right. athleticism <laughs> needed. Just the, the raw <laughs> power involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. um, well, Sav, thanks uh, tons for hopping on with us again, um, for another fan question episode. And thanks for bringing us in. We needed a new intro. It's been, we had a new voice bringing us in. So we appreciate that. Um, try thanks for, I love
0: it. I love being here. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. Um, you guys have a, have a great Thanksgiving, uh, on the West coast and then is Hawaii the West coast or is it like its own coast?
2: Real West.
1: The real West Coast.
2: <laughs> the, of the Pacific. I don't know. Yeah. we so, out here.
1: So from to the West Coast, to the real West Coast. Um, happy Thanksgiving to both uh, both y'all's families. Tell Gab and Naya, I love them. Hope to see you guys soon. And uh, I will uh, catch you guys later. See
0: you, see you guys. Hey, guys.